Northside family, it's good to see you today. If uh, I hadn't had a chance to meet you, my name is Nate, one of the pastors, and uh, we are so thrilled that you're here, especially if it's your first time, if you came for the family dedication uh, today. But if you would, we have our video venue across the hall. Would you welcome them? We know it's kind of a packed house, and we just want to say hello to them and let them know that they are a part of this church family. And as Marty said, we care and we honor women. Uh, whether you're a mom here today or not, you are valuable to God and God is working through your life and he wants to play an incredible part of your life. And a matter of fact, this week I was researching a little bit of where Ma, you know, Mother's Day came from. We know in the Bible it says to honor your father and your mother, uh, but I went, where did this whole kind of Mother's Day come from? And uh, it's a pretty actually interesting story. It became official in our country in 1908. Uh, because there was a lady named Anna Jarvis who uh, appealed in 1905 actually to start Mother's Day to honor her mother in 1905 who passed away. Her name was Ann Jarvis. And uh, what, why she wanted to honor her mom was this. She said, my mom has served people in unbelievable ways. I think it's worth honoring. And what was so unique about Ann Jarvis was she was a nurse uh, but who she took care of was this. Uh, during the Civil War, she took care of both sides of the armies, the North and the South. And she had that just kind of mother intuition that said, it's not just about one or the other. It's about everybody. And she said, man, my mom has the heart of a servant and I think it is worth honoring. And this is why we even honor moms today because we know there's a lot that goes on and man, you guys serve and you love and you pour out. And uh, I remember one of the funniest moments my mom served me when I was a little kid, because as a parent, you're always trying to help invest in your kid and help them ready for what's next. And uh, I remember I was about five years old uh, when my parents were dropping me off at uh, one of the elders' house in our church, because where my dad was a pastor, uh, there wasn't, uh, we didn't have any family around us. So if they ever had a date night, they would take him to church staff and uh, say, hey, watch our kids, you know, and good luck, you know, and uh, they kind of drop us off. And I remember on the way, to one of those nights, one of our elders, uh, they had a, they were you know they had this massive garden and uh, they were vegan before vegan was cool you know it was like 1987 and you know and they were going to drop me off my mom she when she dropped me off she said listen they have a garden they eat a lot of vegetables and you're probably going to have broccoli for dinner tonight and as all moms this is what she said you're going to eat it and you're going to what you're going to you, maybe you have the same mom all right and. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if that's the main course, you are gonna eat it and you are gonna like it. And mom was right, that's what we're supposed to do, man. When somebody gives you something, you are to be very appreciative, you are to thank you very much, even if it's broccoli, thank you. And I remember this moment, I was five, and me and my sister, we walk in, and uh, they asked us, they said, well, what do you guys want to have for dinner tonight? My parents were standing right next to me, and I was like, uh-oh, Johnny on the spot. You know, here it is, they're putting me on the spot. And I, re I remember, you can ask my parents, I looked up at her, I said, broccoli would be fine. <laughs> five years old, never heard in the history of five-year-olds before. And the lady, she just started laughing at me and she said, well, we were gonna take you to McDonald's. And I just looked at my mom. You just cost me McDonald's, mom, you know. But man, she did everything right as a parent. Prepared me well, you are gonna be grateful. I don't care if it's broccoli for dinner. She did all that stuff. And sometimes you can do everything right and it still not work out as a parent. And I think sometimes that's the frustrating thing about parenting. Man, you can do everything right, you can play it by the book, you can put your heart into it, and it doesn't mean it's always gonna be perfect results. 
And that's why actually today we're looking at this text in Matthew chapter 12 because Jesus actually tells not just moms but parents and not just parents but all of us what does it look like to be faithful to God in all these different situations. The only thing is this, what he's going to say to you and I today, we're going to hear and we're going to go, say what? Because it's going to be a little bit different than what you expect. Matter of fact, you go, what does Jesus know about being a mom? But the words of Jesus will lead you into being the mom that God has called mothers to be. See, this is the beauty of God. He is always leading us into what God wants for us and how he wants us to live if we will simply take time to listen to him. This is the beauty of Jesus and all that he's doing. And matter of fact, listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 12, uh, because this is what's fascinating. I, I would think it would be kind of hard, you know, to be Jesus's mom, don't you think? You're going, what do you think? You're right all the time, son? You know, and it's like, okay, yes, you are, you know. And the cool thing about Jesus is he never shamed his mom. He never talked back. He was perfect. He was sinless. And yet... There's difficulty sometimes when Jesus had to correct his mom. Now, when you read the scriptures, what you find about Mary is Mary was an incredible servant of God. It, it, was, it was her obedience when God said, hey, I'm coming and I want to, you know, bring the Savior of the world through you. And she said, okay, your you're servant, I'm your servant. Speak, Lord, man, I'm going to follow you. She had incredible, you know, faith. But here was a moment where Jesus had to help his mom understand what it means to be a great mom. And this is the beauty of Jesus. He's not trying to shame her. He's not trying to shame you today. If you feel convicted by Jesus's words today, it will be for your good and it will lead you to life. This is the beauty of Jesus. Listen what the scenario is here in Matthew chapter 12, because what's happening is Jesus's ministry has started and it is booming. Thousands of people are coming to Jesus. There's all sorts of people going, hey, this guy is saying something that no Pharisee has ever said. He's actually giving me hope. He's changing my life. And everybody's starting to crowd around him. And matter of fact, right before we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has just declared that he is greater than the prophet Jonah. And not only is he greater than the prophet Jonah, he is saying he says that he is greater than the wisest man Solomon ever. You talk about some say what statements. Matter of fact, it's making a lot of people mad. And Jesus is going, hey, I'm just letting you know this is who I am. And while he's preaching, listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, thousands of people are joining in. People are coming after him. And while he's still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. This is like when a parent charges onto the field during a game, right? You're like, uh, the game is still going on, ma'am. Wait till halftime, right? His mom shows up and they say, hey, Jesus, we want to talk with you. We, you know, he, it's kind of one of those mom moments. And it says this in verse 47, it says, someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Your mom's outside, Jesus. She wants to talk. And listen to what he says. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Jesus, they're outside. <laughs> what do you mean who is my mother and who is my brothers? Jesus, you're not making sense. This is the say what? This is why he's getting our attention, why he's wanting to get his mom's attention and his brother's attention. 
In verse 49, it says, pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, if I'm the disciples, I'm going, he called you the mom. I'm the brother, right? You're the mom. I'm a brother. But he pointed to his disciples, says, here are my mother and my brothers. And then he says, here's why. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What Jesus was trying to get Mary and his brothers to understand was something very unique. He was going, listen, I'm doing God's will. I am following what God has for me, and you want to lead me away from that, and I want to lead you into the life that God has called us to live. Matter of fact, we go, man, that seems kind of harsh. But if you turn over to Mark chapter 3, this is the beauty of the Gospels. Sometimes in Matthew you will see one story, and then you turn over to Mark, and Mark will add different layers to the story that Matthew didn't record. Listen, actually, this is a little bit deeper. In Mark chapter 3, this is what it says going on in this. Mark kind of fleshes out this story a little bit more and you begin to realize the tension of this moment. Now I know today with everybody here, none of you has experienced family drama, right? We're all Christians here. We're great people. Your family is the best family known to man. So just hang with us, all right? Because I know none of you have experienced any family drama. None of you are the black sheep, all right? And listen what happens here in Mark chapter 3. He lays out a little bit more of the background. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered. Same story, same situation. He said, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So many people around him, man, people are wanting to hear Jesus. They don't even have a moment to sit and eat a sandwich. People are hanging on his every word. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said he is out of his ever-loving mind. Oh, this is a little bit different dynamic. Matter of fact, this phrase here, to take charge, you find again in Matthew chapter 26, verse 50, when the soldiers go to arrest Jesus and they go to take charge of him. In this moment, Jesus' mother and his brothers are coming to say, Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. I've come to take over your life. It might not be the wisest thing for you and I to ever tell Jesus what to do. But that's the tension you and I live in, isn't it? The tension for you and I to live in is this. When we follow Jesus, the decision we have to make is this. That we're either going to tell Jesus who's in charge or we're going to say, Jesus, you're in charge. And this is what's playing out. Now, here's the thing. When, he said, when they even said he, Jesus is out of his mind, you and I, especially in southern Indiana, we don't say that about people, do we? Oh, we might mean it, right? But this is how we say it. We don't say they are out of their mind. We say stuff like this, bless their heart. <laughs> oh, bless their heart. Really, what you're saying is they don't have a clue. If you dig into the Greek, that's what it says, bless their heart, you know? And this is what Jesus' family does. They show up in the middle of his ministry and they go, he is lost his mind. Jesus' own family didn't know what he was doing. Matter of fact, in John chapter 7, it says that even Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. Do you know that about Jesus? Jesus grew up in a household that didn't even believe he was the Savior of the world. Some of you, you you've grown up in a household. Maybe some of you, you're in a household like that right now. Maybe your spouse or your kids or family members or someone else... You believe in Jesus, but, but they don't. 
Jesus lived in that, and this is why he says the phrase, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And what Jesus is trying to get across to them and what he's trying to get across to you and I today is simply this. You might want to write it down, that the way for you and I to be family whether you have your own family or you're a part of a family, that the way for you and I to be family is through our heavenly father. If you want to be a great mom, if you want to be the greatest mom ever, it's not about your ability to be a mom. It is about your ability to be a mom through the heavenly father. If you want to be a great husband, it is not about your ability to be a great husband because you and I are flawed men. And the best way for us to be the husbands that we need to be is through our heavenly father. If you want to love your family who might actually hate you for being a Christian, you might have some family members who actually not only just hate you for being a Christian, they hate that you come to this church. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but here's the deal. We know that there are people who do not like when we follow the ways of God. And Jesus is saying this, hey, if you want to be family, here's what it looks like. It looks like us being family through the Father, through the Father. In a week and a half, my little girl who's in first grade will be done with first grade. I can't believe it. And I'm going, man, she's going to be a second grader. And I say this to myself all the time. I'm reminded about this all the time is this. I don't know how to be a dad of a second grader. And the Lord says, I know you don't and you never will. But Nate, if you want to have a family that reflects me, it starts with me. It doesn't start with you. See, that's where Mary and the brothers got it wrong. They wanted the family to start with them. And Jesus says, no, family starts with my heavenly father. Now, here's the deal. When we begin to allow God to lead the way and God to shape our family, there's a couple things that we need to understand. The first one is this, that following God will cause people to think you have lost your mind. Matter of fact, I got to be honest, if people don't think you're a little bit weird for being a Christian, I wonder if you're doing it right. You know, I know Louisville has the phrase, keep Louisville weird. God originated with that first, right? Because here's the good news about God. God is a weird God. God is a crazy God because God is willing to love those who don't love him. That is a crazy father. This is a God who's saying, I love you even if you don't love me. Even if you're here today and you're still wondering about this Christianity thing, you're wondering about this Jesus thing, you need to know that the father is crazy about you. The Father loves you and he comes after us. And this is the beauty. And this is what you and I need to understand is this, that when we follow God, you might think your family is crazy. God goes from the very beginning. When I began to redeem people, I started a crazy family. That's what I love about our Northside family. We are a crazy family, aren't we? Now, we don't act like it and we won't admit it, but you look down your row and you're like, yeah, they're pretty crazy, man, you know, and, and I'm looking out at some of you. I'm like, man, I love being in the church with some of you because you guys are crazy. You guys are doing incredible things for God. You're risking it. You're trusting God. And even in my own life group, this is why it matters so much. We have some people in my own life group who, because they got baptized, because they became a Christian, literally their family has cut them off. Their parents won't come to their kids' baseball games because they became a Christian. There's no longer any love for them because now they're walking in the ways of God. See, this is why it means so much to be the church. See, church just isn't about what we can get out of it. Church, a lot of times when we begin to find the significance of the church and why God has given us the church is we begin to see that church isn't just for us. Church is for those around us. 
See, when we begin to follow him, what we'll find is this, that God leads us to the family that we need. This is what Jesus is saying here when he says, who is my mother, who is my brother? And he points to his disciples. What he's saying is this, here's my mother and my brothers and my sisters because they are doing the will of the Father. Anybody ever like just become so close with somebody, you go, man, you're like a brother from another mother, man. You know, it's like you go, man, you, we, we have the same heart. We don't have the same name, but man, we have the same heart. That's what I love about so many of you. That's what I love about my life group. That's what I love about all the leaders here. I go, man, it is so weird that God would put us here in this place, in this time, and yet there would be such a love and affection for one another. And we go, man, thank you for being my family. Because for some of us, we've got to understand we need the family of the church to make it through life. Can I be honest with you guys for a moment? I know we're here to celebrate Mother's Day and we got cupcakes and donuts and all this other stuff out in the lobby for everybody. And there's a photo booth and they're, oh man, it's Mother's Day galore. And there's brunches and egg casseroles and all that other good stuff. But can I be honest for you, with you for a moment? Mother's Day can actually be one of the toughest days for people. Many of you here today, you're in agony. I mean, you're clapping and you're applauding because moms are a gift, but really, Today's really hard. For some of you, you maybe have lost your mom a long time ago, and man, your heart is still not over that loss. For some of you, maybe you had a mom, but she didn't want to be present in your life. For some, you've lost a kid, and this day is devastating for you. Even though we've been blessed with three kids, my wife Ruthie, she went through two miscarriages where we heard the heartbeat of both of them. And even though we have three and we're grateful, we also grieve still the loss of the two. Mother's Day can be hard. For some of you, you're here today, you're married, and people keep asking you this. So when are you going to have kids? And you go, we're praying about it. And for some reason, you can't. Or you're single here today. And on Mother's Day, it can trigger a thought, I guess I'm a failure because I'm still single. Or you gave up a kid a long time ago. And there's a lot of thoughts and hurts that still run with that. See, we've got to be honest with this and what Jesus is leaning into. And he's not just trying to say a shocking statement. What he's trying to help us to understand is this. When he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and my mother and my sisters. What he's saying is this. Life becomes full when it is lived through the Father. Because there's a lot of pain that we carry. And this is why he's given us the church so that we can carry this together. Can I do something real quick? I'm going to ask a favor uh, of the women in the room. For, for all the women, not just moms, for all the women in the room, could you guys just stand for me for just a second? I know you are laser-eyeing me right now. Oh, man, I feel it. I know, I know. Just hang with me. Hang with me. I just got to say this as one of the leaders in the church here. And on behalf of the leadership, I just, I just got to clearly state for you guys. 
To be a mom is an incredible honor. But Jesus in this moment doesn't want you to miss that he is wanting every single one of you to be a spiritual mother to others. Regardless of you can have kids or not. Regardless of if your kids move out of your house later on. More than to be a mom, you are called to be spiritual mothers, to invest and lead others, whether you're single or married or not. This is the value that every single one of you has and the calling that Jesus has placed on your life. If this world and this nation does not value you, do not listen to that. Listen and follow Jesus. Why don't we celebrate the women in this room right now and let them know. You guys can have a seat. Stop giving me the stank eye. It's over. The reason why I say that's so important is because my sister falls into this category. She's not married, but she's following Jesus. She's a missionary in Romania. She's already adopted one child in the process of adopting another. And then now she has 30 kids at her house. They're called The Return. You're like, what is she doing? No, The Return, our college-age ministry is over there right now uh, on a mission trip. You're like, whoa, talk about crazy. She has blessed her heart, you know? And uh, <laughs> Here's the deal. God is saying, Rachel, I'm not waiting for you to get married. And I'm not waiting for you to have your own kids. All I'm waiting for you is to do the will of the Father. It's to do the will of the Father. It's kind of hard growing up when your sister's mother, Teresa. <laughs> right? Everybody. Everybody's like, oh, you got big shoes to fill with your dad. I'm like, I'm worried about my sister. <laughs> Quit comparing me to all of them, man. See, this is what makes family in the church so dynamic. It's that we are a crazy family together. This is why life group matters. Because we come to our group and we say, you're not going to believe this. I feel like God's maybe putting this on my heart. I think God might be calling me to this. And for some of you, you have nobody else to share that with. And the church needs to be the safe place for your crazy. How do we live out this will of the Father? For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How do we live that out? How do we be this crazy family of God? We've got to pay attention to this. You might want to write it down. Following God calls us to sit and listen to Jesus instead of standing and looking at him. Do you realize the placement of his mom and his brothers? says this in verse 46, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. You want to live the will of the Father? You want to do the work of God in your life? It's not about you doing these great things and all this other stuff. It is about simply you and I sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him. See, what happens is when we begin to sit and we begin to listen, 
God begins to prompt, God begins to lead us in to what's next. There's a crazy story in our church family here uh, of a couple who, and this is the beauty, when God begins to speak and we listen, people are going to go, this is crazy. And when God begins to speak into your life, you're going to go, God, that's crazy. And he goes, good. That means you're starting to listen. Listen to a crazy story that God is writing in our church family right now. Take a listen to this. I grew up in Salem, went to the Methodist church there. Now my mom's the organist there and sang in the choir, so I spent a lot of time hanging around the church. My dad taught Sunday school. Met my husband probably in junior high, started dating in high school. We were high school sweethearts. We had four children. They all grew up, went off to college, and yes, we were certainly empty nesters at that point. During that time, I had gone back to school. I'd been in education earlier before we had children. Got a counseling degree and did uh, had a private practice with uh, child and adolescent therapy. So I've always had a passion for kids. While I was counseling, I just kind of had the urge to do foster care. The time just never really seemed right. And then about four years ago, I just really felt the urge to do it. And I felt like finally the time was right to do it. So I very reluctantly went to Ron and said, well, what do you think? <laughs> Being the amazing husband he is, he came back and said, well, I don't really think it's my thing, but I will support you in it and we'll give it a try. Then lo and behold, two weeks after that, I got an email. And the email was about this little baby boy in the hospital, had some medical needs, was gonna be there a few weeks, but he needed someone that could take him for two to four months. Something just came over me. I just felt this urgency that we were supposed to take this little baby. We went to the hospital, we visited him, and I can still remember walking out of the hospital that night and we're just kind of looking at each other and going, what in the world are we doing? This is crazy. Through this whole process, the only answer we can come up with is, I don't know, but we're just gonna keep walking. That's all we can do. So we kept visiting him, brought him home, just did our best to care for him, thinking all the while that he was going to be leaving in two to four months. Plans started to fall into place for him to be transitioned back to his birth family. But it wasn't long after that till we started to realize things aren't going so well with his birth family. And we knew they were really struggling to take care of all the children. DCS isn't involved anymore, so we're just trying to walk alongside the family and be a support to them, help them however we, we could. We. Um, talked with the family. I said, what do you think? Um, how about just letting him come back and stay with us until you can get these circumstances all you know, worked out and are more able to take care of him like you want to. We did that for, for several months. And because we really knew what was going on with the family, we knew that he had a sister that was two years older, that there were a lot of struggles there with her too. So we said, how about if we just take her as well? And then we actually went to the parents and said, hey, looks like, you know, we could be helpful to you for quite a while here. How about if we just take guardianship of the children? And again, they said yes, they would agree to that. So about a year and a half ago, we took guardianship of both of the children. They're now three and five. And the next step, we're looking to possibly adopt them.
working in that process right now, but just trying, just trying to walk with God and what does He want us to do? I know there's going to be a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges for the whole family. I can't even imagine what it's like for our grown children to see their parents with two little ones trying to raise them, all the emotions that must come with that. I just, my hope and prayer is that for all of them, they can just, we can be an example to them of the gifts that you can give others, how you can serve others. You know, I, I could worry, you know, is my energy going to last? Is my health going to keep up? I'm 65 years old. What's tomorrow going to bring? Oh, is this okay to be taking on two little ones? Is that the right thing to do? And I just have to stop myself nearly every day and say, hold up. God's got this. You don't have to worry about that. If this is what God wants you to do, He's got it. I guess my, the biggest message that I have is just trust God and be obedient to Him, whatever He's calling you to do. Everybody's going to have a different calling, but just listen. I love our crazy family. I love our crazy family here at church. Matter of fact, Ron and Janet Mitchell, this is how crazy. They, uh, growing up, they had two sets of twins, and now they have two more that they're going to bring in. I go, that's crazy. That's crazy. But here's the deal. It's not about trying to manufacture a great story. It's not about trying to outdo that story. It's about you and I, no matter what our age is and no matter what season of life we are in, you and I constantly saying, Jesus, I want to do the will of the Father. Jesus, I want you to lead in every area of my life. Who's my mother? Who's my brother, Jesus says. Those who do the will of my Father. Let me pray for us, and we'll live a crazy week this week. Father, thank you. Thank you for the families in this room. Father, thank you for this church family. Father, we pray for those who don't feel connected. Father, for those who might be single here today, that God, they would know your love and your call. Father, for the moms in this room, for the hurt in this room, Jesus, would we sit and listen to you? Would you let us hold, would we, would we just let you hold us together? God, would you give us the faith to continue to take the next step with you, whatever the calling is, maybe to begin a relationship with you. Or Father, there's a faith step you've been calling us to for a while. May this week we begin to take it. Jesus, thank you for the gift of the church. Thank you that we have hope because of you, Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.